0: brainwashing people consistently that once an addict, always an addict, and there's no recovering for you. I don't believe that personally. That is not the truth that I've come to experience. I think we are incredibly strong and powerful. And when we heal that trauma, we heal that mental wellness. When we rise above that level of consciousness, I think you can overcome addiction. Welcome home to the tiny hat energy podcast. My name is Amanda and my commitment is to be radically vulnerable as I share my story, energy, and love with the intention it will help you as you journey through life. I am on a mission to help create a new world of love where space is saved for everyone's tiny hat energy. My name for the energy present when we embody our most loving, vulnerable, and authentic self. Together, we will walk through both immense suffering from trauma, addiction, incarceration, grief, and mental health, and immeasurable joy from overcoming suffering, finding my tiny hat energy, and living once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Every moment of my life has been a gift from grace calling me home to my natural state of love. After almost taking my life in a desperate attempt to stop suffering, I finally woke up and answered that call. I welcome you to join me on this journey of learning, unlearning, healing, and loving. I'm so grateful and humbled that the universe brought you here with me today, and I love you. Namaste, and welcome back to the podcast. I am really looking forward to this episode today titled Truth About Addiction. It is going to be very similar to the episode I posted two days ago, Truth About Mental Health. We are going to look at addiction from a spiritual lens. I'm going to share my addiction story, something incredibly profound that I've never heard in my entire life around addiction, a friend brought to my awareness. And a couple of really beautiful things that I have found in my consciousness and in my spiritual journey working through in a deeper level of my healing around my addiction. And just kind of look at some of these concepts and reasons around why addiction may be such a pain point for humanity right now and why we aren't really seeing any improvement. Getting started with my addiction story I touched on this in my intro series. I'm going to do a high-level overview just to kind of get us all back on the same page. I know it's been a while. I come from addiction. I come from a family riddled with addiction. One of my parents was an addict. I can honestly look back and kind of always had that quote-unquote addictive personality. I really had always had a noticeable issue with self-control. I wasn't ever able to pick up a bag of candy and eat one piece. I would eat the entire thing. Or, you know, eat one Pop-Tart. I would want to eat three packages of Pop-Tarts. There was always this underlying what I thought was addictive personality, And what I've come to understand now is really just seeking gratitude and seeking fulfillment or seeking to feel something different or seeking to maybe numb something that I was feeling. I think when that really, really started for me was my 19th birthday. Prior to my 19th birthday, outside of a few very small instances of alcohol, I was not into alcohol or drugs. And on my 19th birthday, I was going through a really tough time in my life, and I had just gotten out of a three-year engagement high school sweetheart relationship that had turned physically abusive. And I was absolutely wrecked and traumatized. I drank on my 19th birthday, and I distinctly remember drinking and feeling better, associating the feeling of altering my state of consciousness, because that's what substances do, and feeling better. And I think that is really the core essence of what I mean when I say looking at addiction from a spiritual lens. Pretty much from March of the year that I turned 19 to the end of that year, within six months, I went from never having done any drugs and drinking on my 19th birthday to addicted to heroin. Really quickly, my life devolved into chaos. Within two years from my 19th birthday, so to my 21st birthday, which I would go into prison a few months later, I went from nothing to injecting meth and heroin every day, in and out of crisis centers, in and out of rehabs, in and out of detox, in and out of the streets, living in a completely horrific, toxic, psychologically abusive situation where I was basically living with my supplier of the drugs that I was on and pretty much didn't leave this place for days, weeks at a time, never going outside and kind of being at the mercy of this person. And if I didn't behave appropriately Or, God forbid, I upset him. Drugs were withheld and I was removed from the house. And the cycle continued. And all of the things that come with that. Friends overdosing. I was given a hot shot one time, which is when somebody basically gives you bad heroin and your entire arm is, like, on fire and hives and swells up. It can kill you. Getting to, like, I'm so sick and I need to use and I don't have any needles to use. And so I'm sitting there trying to boil them and bleach them in the kitchen to make them usable. I have had times of desperation in the bathroom of a family member where I'm so sick and I can't find a vein because my arms are just completely shot and I'm just sitting there stabbing myself over and over and over again, bleeding, trying to get better. For me, it started with smoking heroin and then it was injecting heroin and then it was very quickly injecting heroin and meth. I also had a nice stint with benzos And that was the scariest time for me because benzos and opiates don't mix very well. And there were several times I stopped breathing. There were several times that I intentionally tried to OD. It just never worked. I remember the time that I tried with heroin. I woke up, I don't know, a day or two later. The concept of time is completely warped. Realizing, wow, I've just slept for, you know, one or two days, but I'm still alive. When I got into prison, I had about six months clean. And then when I relapsed in prison on Percocet pills, that was it for me. It just was like, yep, we're not doing this. If I can't stay clean in here, if I can't love myself enough and be present with myself enough to not need the drugs, I'm never going to survive. Like I may as well just die because I'm not going back out to the streets and doing this again. I already was in prison for two years, had multiple felonies, probation, thousands on thousands on thousands of dollars of drug fines. When I got out of prison, which I got out with about 18 months clean, I had to do weekly urine analysis for probation for six months, every week, randomly calling every day and going and peeing in a cup. And you have to pay for all those. 720 hours of community service, three years of probation, though I got off in two. And it just had completely wrecked my life. Addiction wrecked my life. It wrecked my body. I have some collapsed veins. I have scars in my veins, and you really wouldn't know looking at me. Like, I get that all the time. I never would guess you were an addict. I never would guess you were a heroin addict, and I was, (laughs) and this coming Valentine's Day, so in a little over a month, I will have nine years clean, and it's so many years now that every year I have to count. After about five or six years, I started to forget each year and be like, how many years do I have? So I have a lot of clean time. And when I got out of prison, I had decided pretty early on that for me in my reality in my life, mental health and trauma was the manifestation, like it was the problem and it was why I had turned to drugs and that with me healing that and being healthy and working through that trauma, I could have a healthy relationship with substances. I have never used opiates. I have never used amphetamines, meth, any of those things. Those are all no-nos for me any type of painkillers, any type of pills, those have all been no-nos for me. And for a long time, benzos were too. I'm going to get back to that. But when I got out, I had decided alcohol was never really an issue for me. I never really liked it. I never really abused it. I didn't really get the hype. And my partner at that time was about to turn 21, and then we were getting married. And I really wanted to be able to participate normally in life. And the model of 12-step programs that says... You're an addict. You're always going to be an addict. You can never use again. If you do, you've relapsed. That didn't work for me. That rigidity did not work for me. I did not like someone telling me, you have no control. You will never be able to have this healthy relationship again. And if you do this thing in any variety, medicinal plants, whatever, you are not in recovery. That didn't work for me, and that very quickly pushed me out of the rooms. And I am not bagging on the rooms. I love 12-step programs. They have a beautiful heart and foundation. It's the rigidity and this language of brainwashing people consistently that once an addict, always an addict, and there's no recovering for you. I don't believe that, personally. That is not the truth that I've come to experience. I think we are incredibly strong and powerful, and when we heal that trauma, we heal that mental wellness when we rise above that level of consciousness, I think you can overcome addiction. I had decided I was going to drink, and that went okay for me. I had a lot of rules. I had a lot of boundaries. I was only allowed to do it at home. I was only allowed to do it with my partner. I was only allowed to have, you know, one or two drinks, yada, yada, yada. And for years that worked for me. About four years into my recovery, when we moved to Oregon, my partner and I both started exploring cannabis that went really well for me. I was never an abuser, had a really healthy relationship with that. Throughout the years since then, I have integrated a couple of different plant medicines into my life. I really call most things plant medicine now because that's what things like psilocybin and MDMA and cannabis, these are medicines. And when you use them as medicines and you treat them as I'm doing this with intention. I'm doing this as a medicinal ceremony with a purpose to help me achieve X goal. I'm not like going out and raging and partying. That is what they're meant for. And they have really powerful use. When my father was killed and everything happened that year with all of the loss, and I had that period where I put the gun to my head that I talked about in my last episode, I was prescribed benzos. I was so desperate. I just needed to be sedated. (laughs) Like there was no other option for me at that time. It actually went really well. I was really surprised how untriggering it was. Like I took it, it made me feel better. I took it as I was supposed to. I actually ended up having a bottle of Xanax in my nightstand drawer for almost two years and then threw them away. That just goes to show you after enough years and even in a difficult time, I was able to reintroduce something that I had had a really unhealthy relationship with for its intended purpose. That's a little bit about my story. Now coming into now, Just a few months ago, I was sitting down with a very dear friend of mine. Their name is Morgan, and I love them very much. And they said, I'm already getting emotional. (laughs) They said the most profound thing I have ever heard. Hold on to your chairs, y'all. If you're an addict, if you know someone who struggled with addiction, I don't think there's a single human on the planet who hasn't been impacted by addiction. This might actually knock your socks off. They looked at me and they said, you know, the poppy plant opium is medicine. What if your addiction wasn't this tragic, horrific, bad, unhealthy, toxic thing and was actually exactly what you needed and was healing and was medicine? And at that time in your life, you were not able energetically, consciously, physically, spiritually to address the trauma that you were going through, to address the things that were weighing on you. And so because you weren't able to do that, the medicine came in and numbed you down and brought you down to help you survive that deeply painful and traumatic time in your life. It absolutely floored me because it was like this final aha integration moment of my addiction was medicine. My addiction was a blessing. My addiction was a divinely orchestrated time in my life when I was not able, willing, call it what you will, to face my trauma and to face the things that I was going through. And so I needed that medicine, though it was abused and though it caused destruction. I mean, it didn't cause the destruction. I caused the destruction. My unhealthy behavior and my not treating it as medicine caused the destruction. The plant itself, the heroin, the opium, whatever you want to call it itself, is still medicine and was still what my body, soul, mind, heart needed at that time. I already had a really healthy relationship with my addiction. I have not identified as an addict for years. I have not been in 12-step meetings for probably about six years. I have a very healthy relationship with plant medicine in my life. And in a few weeks, I'll have a year without nicotine. And that was kind of like my last addiction that I really had. Although that was much different of an addiction. That was much more of an emotional crutch. Something I used for my social anxiety, something it was my friend. It made me feel comfortable when I didn't love myself and when I didn't know how to be around people and I didn't know how to do these things. Nicotine was that. So I overcame that a year ago. And so here we are, you know, a few months ago. And it just was this final moment of, oh my gosh, my addiction was a blessing. I've been demonizing it and I've been viewing it as this dark time and this bad thing and this trauma and tragedy these really aggressive dark words that we use as a society to talk about addiction when really it was just what I needed at that time it was medicine it was helping me through something that I was not able to go through on my own at that level of consciousness I'm so grateful for that awareness that was brought to me by my friend As I've sat with this more, I had this amazing download around the duality of needles. The same thing that destroyed my life healed me. And what I mean is injecting substances with needles completely. Like once I started injecting, I went from zero to 100 overnight. That was a whole new demon for me. And it completely, through my choices and through my level of consciousness and through my lack of awareness, led to destruction. Well, now, looking at this year, acupuncture has completely been one of the biggest core portions of my healing journey, of my spiritual awakening, of healing the trauma in my body. And that's needles. That's needles going into my body. And so here we have this exact same tool and this exact same medium can be used for destruction or can be used for healing. And so that's duality. It's a perfect example of duality and realizing that this thing that we demonize is a tool and is a medicine when used appropriately. So coming into the spiritual lens of addiction, it's all kind of echoing the same stuff from my episode on mental health. What if we have it all wrong? What if we are looking at addiction as this genetic thing and labeling people this label, which labels are really damaging, but labeling people as this label and saying, you're always going to be this thing. It's in your genes. You can't fix it. You can't help it. You can't escape it. So you're just going to have to learn to live with it. And the only way that we know to live with it is to just not take anything because we don't actually want to get to the problem, the trauma, the behaviors, the erroneous thinking, the lack of consciousness, the lack of connection to God's source creator. We don't want to talk about all of that. So the solution is, Go to meetings, work some steps, and just don't use anything ever again. And it reinforces this thinking of you are not powerful, you are small, you don't have control, you are powerful, you are big beyond measure, and you do have control over your mind and your thoughts because you're not them. So you're not an addict forever. And I'm not going to get into genetics. We could get into epigenetics and how you can literally change and up and down regulate your genes. I'm not going to get into all that. But I know I quote unquote have the addiction gene and I'm not an addict anymore. Labels are damaging because when we single people out and give them this label, essentially it's as if you don't have control over that thing. Here's the truth about addiction. The truth about addiction is all people are addicts. Think of every single person that you know. Food, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn nicotine, sugar, caffeine, medication, TV, video games, everyone has the capacity to be addicted to something. Addiction is way more than a physical thing or a mental thing. Spiritually, anyone can be addicted to anything when you are not spiritually well. When we have this lack of knowledge and this lack of healing and lack of consciousness to address what's really causing it, It's the trauma. It's the lack of awareness and consciousness. It's not healing whatever's going on underneath that's being medicated or that's being numbed. When we don't have those things, of course addiction manifests. Addiction is a behavior. I'm not talking so much about physical addiction. I'm just saying addiction as a whole. That's a behavior. And that's a manifestation of the things that I just mentioned. It's so interesting because there's so many gems from the 12-step programs about Addiction being a spiritual problem and a spiritual sickness, and it gets so many things right. Where it loses me is telling people, once an addict, always an addict. That's not true. I know so many people who had horrific drug addictions to meth, heroin, big, big heavy hitter drugs that 5, 10, 15, 20 years later are completely clean have not been in any type of program, therapy, recovery, anything for 5, 10, 15 years, and have a healthy relationship with cannabis, alcohol, plant medicine, I'm not advocating and saying go do that. If you are struggling with addiction and you're working to overcome this thing, you have to heal first. You have to do the healing work first. You have to find the spiritual causes. You have to work on the trauma. You have to have enough consciousness that you separate from your mind and your ego and your thoughts because my mind is a mind i have a brain i have an ego i'm a human being do i have thoughts occasionally mostly when i'm sad of oh i want to go get high yeah nine years later still there nine years later still happens happened recently the second it happens though it's completely obliterated from reality because me the conscious soul Recognizes that that's a thought of my mind. I am not that thing, completely ignores it or doesn't even notice it most days and just says, Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We don't live there anymore. It's just never going to be an option. I walked through my father being killed, my pregnancy loss, multiple family loss, my separation, physical pain beyond anything I've ever experienced when I had a lemon sized ovarian cyst rupture. (laughs) I walked through my emergency DNC. I walked through all of those things clean without any narcotic assistance or pain meds. When you realize that you are not that pain, when you realize whether it's physical, emotional, mental, you are not those things, there's something you're experiencing. The holds that addiction ever had just completely melt away. I sit here today and I do not identify as an addict. I am recovered. I save space for everyone's reality. There are a lot of people who 12 steps work for them, and that's awesome. I love 12 steps. I support that for you. I support every single person's path. It is a very strong thing to say. The truth about addiction is we're all addicts, and it can be recovered. The only thing that I'm advocating for today is if that's not working for you, have you considered this lens? Have you considered looking at addiction from a spiritual lens? Have you considered that when you really, truly, deeply, fully heal all of your trauma, are you still plagued? Because when we are identified with our ego, aka our mind or our personal self, whatever you want to call it, you are identified with labels. I am a mother. I am bipolar. I am an addict. I am a teacher. I am tall, I am a woman, I am, I'm just spitting out random things that people identify with. You're none of those things. You are an eternal energetic soul having a human experience. Your soul is not any of those things. Those are identifications and labels that your mind and your ego has boxed you in. Addict is just another one of those. So how about instead of constantly saying, my name is so-and-so and I am an addict, maybe we start saying, I am currently struggling with addictive thoughts or I'm currently struggling with behaviors. Start labeling them as thoughts and behaviors and quit labeling them as who you are. You are so much more than an addict and for your loved ones too. If you're not the addict and it's your loved ones, give them some space and grace and credit. They are so much more than that label. That label is really heavy to carry. I will never forget the moment in prison that I really truly at that time internalized and accepted. I am an addict and I am always going to be this way and I am never going to be able to use again. Like I believed that. I'm never going to be able to have a drink again. If I ever do any of these things, I'm going to go out and I'm going to die and my recovery time isn't real. That is not working. That is fear based control, fear based thinking. Fear is not a long-term sustainable solution, which is exactly why we have the epidemic, I would argue, pandemic of substance use problems that we have in this world right now. Fear doesn't work. Fear is not a way to control people. It is a constant cyclical thing that causes more harm than good. We have to meet these things with love. The opposite of fear is love. When we love ourselves, when we love these things as a time period that were medicine or that were necessary, that taught us the things we needed to know or that helped us get through a difficult time that we were struggling to face on our own, when we start meeting people with love and not labels, we may actually get somewhere. And so my challenge for you today is, whether it's yourself or someone that you love, sit down with this, think about this, pray, meditate, whatever you do to connect and really ask yourself, really sit with, Can you stop boxing yourself in? Can you stop boxing your loved one in and labeling and using this fear-based, control-based thinking of this is who you are and you will always be this way? Because I am here to tell you there are countless of us out there that have recovered, that are not enslaved by this, that don't need to go to meetings every day. And it's okay if that's what you choose for your path. If that's not working, there are other ways. You are powerful, you are infinite, you are eternal. You are not your mind, you are not your thoughts and you are not your genetics. You, the soul, the consciousness, the existence and divinity behind those things are what's real. I love you and together we can overcome this problem. We can overcome addiction together because it can be recovered, it can be cured. It is not a life sentence. Thank you so much for being here with me today.